Do you have someone in mind who you would like to see on the Relate Podcast? Head on over to Instagram at Relate Podcast and send me a message or leave me a comment. Let me know who you would like to see on the show. Also, if you'd like me to talk about a specific topic, send me a comment or message and let me know what you'd like me to talk about. That's at Relate Podcast on Instagram. This is episode 121 of Relate on human growth through creativity with Jen Cleary. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and we have an amazing guest joining us today. Her name is Jen Cleary. She is a creative director and producer and has worked in a wide variety of different facets within the entertainment industry. It's really amazing how much work she has done. She was referred as one of the 16 most influential women in the nightlife industry by Vegas Rated Magazine. And she has over 30 years of experience doing live show producing worldwide. She's lent her talents to some famous DJs like Paul Oakenfold, Cascade, Love, Atmosphere and Fire and Ice, a wide variety of different artists like Beyonce, Coldplay, Rihanna, Fergie. She's worked with Cirque du Soleil, Disney on Ice, So You Think You Can Dance. So suffice to say, she has done a lot of work in the live entertainment industry. And in this episode of Relate, we talk about her career, we talk about her journey in this world. We talk a lot about, too, about overcoming self-doubt and really allowing ourselves and giving ourselves the permission to do the work that we want to do. Jen discusses why it's important to bring an audience on a journey. And we also talk about creativity a lot, the importance of creativity and why we must lead from the heart when we are creating or leading something. I think this episode is very applicable to anybody tuning in. You can be someone who is working in the entertainment industry, or you could be a CEO of a financial company, and I think that you will get a lot of value out of this episode. I think that at the heart of this episode is creativity and the importance of human growth and what that means to really connect and relate to one another. I think that Jen was an amazing guest. Definitely go check out her work. All those details can be found at the end of the episode or in the show notes. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, let us know your thoughts, and most importantly, send it to a friend. Tell everyone who you think this episode may resonate with about this episode with Jen Cleary. So, I think that covers just about everything, or rather, it just covers the surface. So, let's dive into this episode of Relate with Jen Cleary.
Jen, thank you so much for being on the Relate podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on this show because you are doing some incredible work, uh, especially in the entertainment world as a creative director and producer. And at least just from our past conversation that we had and then just looking at your portfolio of work, you've done a lot of really cool and unique things. It's, it's really fascinating. It, it actually, well, thank you, first of all. Um, it's, um, yeah, my path has definitely been unique. Um, I've been in situations where I took a moment to breathe going like, what am I doing exactly? What's happening? How did I make it here? Like, what? <laughs> um, but I mean, taking a step back and looking at everything objectively, now it all makes sense. <laughs> I'm happy I'm realizing that as I'm, you know, perhaps like, quote unquote, in the middle of my career and not at the end of it. Um, but it, it's been really um, fascinating. And, and I'm very, very grateful of all the opportunities, good and bad, that I've had to explore at, at different level through different platform and with different companies. So, uh, but yeah, de definitely a unique path, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, you could tell that there's a lot, you must have a lot of agility in just your life experience with regards to the variety of different things that you've done throughout your career that has led to what you're doing now. And I guess to just start off, I'm wondering what, what led you onto this path of becoming a producer? It's very interesting because, I mean, I ended up, you know, as a kid, uh, my parents enrolled me in dance classes uh, when I was very, very young. Um, and I think what's really, you know, where, where I discovered that I had a passion perhaps for the entertainment and, and you know, back then for dancing was when I started tap dancing, um, which which is actually also by itself a kind of unique niche um like tap dancers there's not a lot of us i mean there's a lot of dancers that can tap but really people that specialize in tap is is very unique and i always consider this like i always love growing in that industry and with the, that let's call it that tribe mostly because it, it treated um you know it used the medium of dance to express rhythm um, and what I'm recognizing now with the way that, you know, I, I've been shaping up, you know, the projects I'm working on, I've always been a huge fan of music, but really obsessed with how to give a visual, perhaps stimulation to bring to life in different, you know, format and different forms, um, music. Um, so as a young dancer, um, I was lucky enough to get recruited by a company in Manhattan. I'm uh, originally from Montreal. Um, so I think I was about 14 years old when I got recruited by this beautiful company here. Um, and I, I, you know, started dancing in the States and training here and, I never thought I would be like a full-time professional dancer, even though I pretty much was. I think my first TV show, I was about eight years old, um, you know, dancing in a troupe 
in Montreal who do TV shows and different gigs and all, but it was always my, it was my hubby still. Um, and, you know, fairly young also, I started choreographing just again, like, you know, understanding perhaps the DNA of sound and music. It really like motivated me to let go with my creativity and, and how to put movements to that and how to express sound, how to express beats. Um, and, and after, you know, after a career as a professional dancer, uh, eventually on a full-time base, um, it, it became really clear to me that I really enjoyed performing, but all those images I had in my mind were so great and fun and I really want to explore them. So it became much more interesting to me to think that I would maybe take a step back from the stage and push other performers with my vision um, and, and create more opportunities for different type of performers also to express themselves on different platforms. So it was a very organic transition for me. It wasn't something that, oh my God, I have to find something else because I'm getting older or something like that. It was really just like, no, I, I understand it as a performer, but now I also understand that this is not really where I want to stand. Like I don't want to be under the spotlight or whatsoever. For me, it was more about going back in my little bubble and trying to crack the code on how to express again, all those ideas that I had in my, in my mind, in my brain. Um, and, and, you know, to just explore. So the interesting thing also coming from Montreal as, as you know, you know, obviously we're, there's a lot of amazing creators that come from there and, you know, obviously Cirque du Soleil and there's a lot of uh, disruptive company also that, you know, instead of following the footstep and trajectory of different production company or ways shows are normally being created, there was a lot of that kind of let's shake things up, let's shake the model, let's add multimedia. What does that mean even? Like, how do you interact as a performer with multimedia? Um, and I, I feel very, very grateful to have grown up in a community that embraced that, um, you know, it, it was never a question when you would get called over there to work on a project that if they didn't have a budget or whatsoever, that you would say no. Every time you're like, oh yeah, like I'm in, what do you need? <laughs> you know, let's do this, you know? So I, I, I think that, you know, to give myself permission to go down that path was really perhaps, you know, the most interesting and also perhaps hard thing because I felt that if you hadn't perhaps studied to do that, which is hard to study creativity in a way, oh, yeah. um, you know, and there are obviously an amazing school where they can shape you up as for how to write, you know, scripts and how to really explore at that level and, and staging and directing. But I went down the path, the old fashioned way. I just jump into, you know, I, I used to say the black hole. I don't think it's the right way to talk about it, but I, I totally <laughs> j jump in the magic potion and then just, you know, never look back basically. Right. Well, and I think it's really fascinating to where you got at this point in your career where you saw these images or perhaps these shows or these stories in your head and you wanted to manifest them into reality. And that mm. that's really like a beautiful thing about creativity is that, 
so much of what we see in this world, arguably almost everything we see in this world was started in somebody's mind and then was created essentially out of nothing. And yeah. so I, I really, I really love how you were in this career of dance of sorts. I know you said you saw it as a hobby, but you were doing it professionally, but then there was probably something inside you that was like, okay, I have to see these things that are in my head in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm not going to lie like that, that process of, of that transition psychologically for me was really hard. Um, I, uh, I didn't feel that I was worthy of it, which was very interesting. I didn't, because again, I was obsessed with having a diploma for it or something like that, yeah. uh, which meanwhile I was doing it live and learning so much from just doing it. And I think that's where, you know, we're in a society and, and especially, I mean, my, you know, when I was saying that I was treating this as a hobby and I was studying in health science and my goal was, literally to become the Miami Dolphins doctor. I, I was set on that. I was like, wow. that, that was, that was the goal. And I, you know, I wanted to go to Queens and I was, I was all set up and dancing was always there though. And, and, um, you know, doing shows on the weekend and working and all that. And it was, it was really easy. The flow was great and fun and unique, um, probably kept me out of trouble. So I mean, I <laughs> but I was a very structured kid that studied a lot and then would take very seriously that, that path also that I had chosen as for call it my hubby. Um, so the day that I, I, you know, let go and, and, you know, it's actually my parents, I mean, were, <laughs> were very, you know, the very original way of thinking and, and of doing things, which I, again, I'm grateful for, but they were the one that like, you know, school's always going to be there. Like I had this opportunity of really jumping in full time um, in the entertainment. And they're like, you know, if you want to go back to school, just go back to school. But why wouldn't you try this? Um, and I think they saw something inside of me that I perhaps wasn't allowing myself to, to see. Um, and it took years to embrace it and say, no, this is right. And I have the right to do this. And I'm, it's not a question of being as good as somebody else, because again, creativity, that's, what's beautiful with it. There's no good or bad, you know, it's just about how far do I want to push myself through it? And how far do I want to push my ideas? And, um, you know, how can I, mix up different mediums that perhaps people have not seen before. So it's been a very, very, um, you know, interesting journey on the personal level again, um, which I think arts and entertainment, we don't mention that enough. You know, it's like people right. always say when you're in it, oh, you work all the time and you do this, you do that. And you're like, this is like, I think this is the closest to like, <laughs> going outside being naked when you're in that industry, you know, you're, <laughs> right. you're, you're being yeah. judged at every level on every, like, you know, and everybody's there waiting for you. But at the same time, there's so much greatness and beautiful, um, you know, intention that are connected with it. Cause all we really want to do is just to plant seeds and entertain people and make them forget about their bad day or, 
you know, amplify like a medium that they might love or an artist that they love and put into images what, you know, the soundtrack they've been listening to, what could it mean if you put a color to it or a couple of dancers and costumes and also it's, um, I'm, I'm super, super happy that I, I took the dig dive, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm the first one who's always going to bow to anybody in this business because it's, um, you really, really have to, people say you compromise, but it's not that it's not compromising. It's being bold enough to show really, really who you are and allow the world to analyze you under a microscope. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so true. And I think too, what, what you were saying, I think that a lot of people within the entertainment industry initially struggle with this is giving ourselves permission to do the work or mm -hmm. to really give us the approval ourselves that we're good enough to pursue whatever it is we want to pursue. Mm -hmm. Because I think because the industry is so judged a lot of the times or rather were as you said dissected under a microscope i feel like a lot of us sometimes feel like we need to be perfect but a lot of times i think that the best creativity lies in the imperfection and i absolutely agree with you that it's always just a matter of getting over that initial hurdle of being like oh you know okay i could do this yeah yeah i have the right I am good enough and again like I am in on this path and journey to learn as much as I can and I I you know I think not being afraid of pushing your own boundaries of collaborating like I think we had talked about that but right here right now is the time for that like you know as creators how do we again like we do have this perhaps mission of using this moment in time where people need it. They need to smile. They need to have a little distraction. So how can we all come together, make magic first, and then think about the price tag to it or like, how are you going to make money with it? And like, but it's important that creativity is led from the heart and from a good place of in, in a good intention, regardless that it is for somebody else or yourself. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating world. And, um, I, I think to, you said it and it's that give yourself permission, take a moment to press pause and cherish what you've accomplished, what you've done, the goods and the bad, because you don't learn from good experiences. It's so cliche, <laughs> but you just don't like you, you really, need to embrace when things start have happening and are hard. And I mean, you know, I'm working on a, a I was working basically on the concept of a new show and, and we, we couldn't present the showcase in April because of coronavirus. And it would have been easy to say, oh, this is it. But no, like, how do we, how do we use this moment in time again to take a step back and see what can this, change in my perception like maybe i didn't have the right answer to or maybe i'm not seeing the true value or how far this concept can really go if i just pivot a little bit or if i take a few steps back and i look at it objectively um and who else exists that is perhaps right here right now looking also to 
you know, jump on board and, and push its own boundaries and has this personal need of being involved in something unique. So um, for me, it's been a, a huge, huge learning curve. What's happening now of, you know, sometimes we're so dedicated to making one thing happen. Meanwhile, maybe you're missing the point that there's much more than that, that you should be accomplishing with that vision you have. Yes. It's a great time right now for creative reflection and figuring out, okay, what's, what's working in my work, what's not working. And I love what you said too, maybe looking for something that you might not have realized was there initially, but now given the state of everything has allowed you to gain a different perspective on that as well. And I, yeah, I think even with everything being closed down right now, I think right now is a great time for, for creatives and, and the entertainment industry in a very weird way in that it's allowing us to assess who we are in, in this world and what work we want to be creating and leaving behind too past our time. Yeah. And also, again, like most people that are in the industry, I mean, we're, we press, you know, on the go button and we just never stop. Like it's Christmas, it's, it's New Year's, it's Thanksgiving. And it's always, yeah, the show must go on. I have to prep. Like if you, if you don't have a gig on New Year's, you, you kind of look at yourself, asking yourself, oh, am I doing something wrong? Because we know that that's one of the biggest, you know, especially in the, the event world, like that's a huge night. And, but, yeah. but it's okay to take a step back, to remove yourself from there and to give yourself permission to just be with yourself and recognize the growth that also, you know, you've been going through and, and, and cherish it and embrace it and realize also that maybe something you have been doing in a certain way for a moment doesn't serve you anymore as a creator or as an artist if your intention is to keep on moving and keep on going. Um, it's, um, it's a very, very, and, and, and I, I'm totally with you on that. I think it's a very hard time and it's very sad, obviously, for all of us. Um, but we do have a choice of staying there or elevating our vibration and, you know, shaking yourself up a little bit and taking the time it takes to go through it. Um, but again, what are you going to make out of it? You know, and obviously it's, it's, it is a reality when you look at history and times that after big depressions and after, you know, wars and, and everything, some of the best movements in the entertainment business were grown out of that, of that desire of just expressing yourself and going out and, you know, the, the swing kids and the, the cabaret world and the prohibition that now we're, we're still doing that, you know, we're still tapping on those times and those movements because they were so amazing and so rich in visual and the way people would express themselves. Um, so what is it? What is that calling that we have right now to like, you know, I would say reinvent ourselves. Yeah. I would love to, with all of that said, to dive into your work a little bit, specifically starting with immersive theater. I know that immersive theater is something that 
that you really care about, that you're very passionate about. And I've done some immersive theater before myself, both performed and then have attended immersive theater. And I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. I am a huge fan just because it's a really cool and unique take to get the audience involved in the story and what's happening or yeah. uh, perspiring on stage or, or even if it's in a site specific area as well. Yeah. So I would love to, to talk about, about your experience working in immersive theater and why immersive theater is something that you're excited about. So it's very interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people see the, the you know, what, what we call immersive theater as a new way of presenting shows. Um, but really it's not. Um, I remember back in the days uh, when I still lived in Montreal and Cirque was, you know, at its prime, um, you know, Cirque du Soleil were, were, were really amazing and renowned for their parties. They would do those, you know, larger than life like events where, you know, there would be constant characters that would be around that would be interacting with you, that would welcome you. And all of that mindset, you know, comes back also to going back in the cabaret worlds. Like, you know, in the actual uh, musical and movie like Cabaret, I always adore, and that's always been my, <laughs> it's my mantra, um, wherein the host says, leave your problems at the door, you know? It's like, come into our world. For a minute here, just forget who you are. Like, forget about that day at work. Forget about your problems, that bad phone call. Come here. But then it's our job to take you by the hand. And from that moment, you belong to us. Um, yes. And the beauty with what's been happening with the Sleep No More, with the Secret Cinema, with, you know, and then she fell... Um, just to name a few, obviously, because God knows that there's so, there's just so many amazing shows these days. Um, it, it's that, it's that we break that fourth wall. We bring people on their own journey, but meanwhile, it, it allows people who are creative and it allows us to have that direct contact with the audience and make them forget who they are. Um, and that to me like gives me chills. Like that to me is the best way to bring people on a journey and bring them on this emotional journey where they're going to be changed for life. If it's done right. <laughs> <laughs> right if it's yeah. not, they're just not talking about it, <laughs> but it doesn't take a lot. And again, it's, it's all about this kind of magic potion that we understand as people who come from theater or have been performing. And it doesn't take a lot to bring people on a journey and to say that you are in an immersive experience. Um, you know, sets can do that too. It doesn't mean that it's necessarily with humans to humans, but I've always been a huge fan of that in events of, you know, using performers to create those magical, beautiful tableaus and, Instead of having, you know, a giant candelabra, we'll make it with performers. So it's alive and it moves and then it reaches to somebody and you create this mysterious, beautiful, like Alice in Wonderland type of, 
you know, effect where everything comes alive. Um, and that, that will always pay off. So I think that it's a beautiful movement and it's something that, you know, definitely should be cherished and should be even developed more and test more at different level of how do we bring audience into our world so that again, we have much more chance to touch them and to create something that will forever, like, you know, maybe even change their perspective on certain things or open their eyes. Um, because on the day-to-day -day base, when you're quote unquote, you know, playing a robot, you forget what the capacity as humans, this connective, like this connection that we, and, and power we have to connect, I should say, um, is so important to take care of and immersive experience permit that. It's all about emotions. Yeah. And it's like a heightened awareness as well. Mm -hmm. I love what you were saying with, that the audience for a moment or perhaps even the entirety of the show, they forget who they are. Yes. And there's something that I love about that because everyone is so present with the story or whatever is happening that it really puts people both performers and the audience in touch with their humanity in this really beautiful and unique way that I think sometimes in our everyday lives, we sort of negate that sometimes. We do. And, and unfortunately more and more, you know, and, and, and now even more than, than ever, I mean, we are humans. We're not robots. Um, we do, we need that. We need this connection with ourselves, with other people. And it's important to find ways to keep on growing with the intention of literally being happy and being the best of who you can be, you know, and break those, those little, like, perhaps like routine that don't bring us anywhere else than just, you know, going through just brings us on back to like the starting point all the time. Um, so how can we evolve obviously as humans and, and, and keep on exploring and, and cherishing who we are in this again, superpower that we have um, to connect with our emotion, to connect with other people's emotion, and then to embark on this journey altogether. I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing to remind ourselves, especially when times are rough, that cracking, you know, finding a way to put somebody, put a smile on somebody's face can change that person's life. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's it's something that I think we always need to remind ourselves to to cultivate within ourselves and in relationship with each other and collaboration with each other as well. And I would love for you to discuss how you've applied this to your work in the nightlife scene. Mm. Because I know <laughs> yes. it was, it was, it was, uh, was it a, a, a Vegas, a Las Vegas magazine that named you, was it the top 16 most influential uh, women working in nightlife or something yeah, like that. that, that that's amazing. That, Congratulations, that, by the way. That's, that's amazing. That, that was said. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was that whole experience like? I imagine like that just must have been a uh, both a fun but then also very ch challenging experience trying to figure out all of these facets that make 
nightlife fun and exciting and interesting. Yeah. Oh my God. We could talk about like, that's a full, like five hour conversation. At least <laughs> that's like, that's a few episodes, but the, the, I guess the long story is short, um, <laughs> as short as I can make it. I'm French on top of that. We use a lot of words to express things. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting because, you know, working in the nightlife industry when I first started, I'll be very honest, was the last thing on the planet that I thought I would ever be doing. And it was not really well seen and looked at if you were like, you know, dive into that world because it wasn't what it is today. Um, and, and working in, you know, I started in smaller clubs, um, in, in Canada where, you know, back in the days there was a program that was set where they would bring European DJs and then they were looking for somebody to help. So they said they wanted to create a theatrical container with performers and themes and make this a real happening when those, you know, A-list DJs would come uh, to America and to North America. And I mean, I started because I was like starting my company and, and I needed like a platform to make money. And then that was my way to making money and to pay my bills. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to do it. And then I'll go back with, you know, my big dreams of creating on Broadway and doing, you know, all those, those amazing ideas I had. But the thing is, you know, I, I feel, I fell into that world without really understanding it. And my way of treating each gig that we had in each event was literally as if we were producing a full on theatrical show. So wow. my signature became that I was bringing Broadway to the nightlife scene, which was very, very interesting because when that a reporter had brought that up, I was like, whoa, that like to me, that was the best compliment that ever came out of all of this because I'm like, <laughs> OK, people see it. Um, and my magic sauce and signature with my company, Delicious, became that like it wasn't about putting performer like, you know, into that context in a, a, in a way to make them sexy or, or going, you know, more into the dark. It was more about creating this really exclusive, very magical, classy, powerful statement, especially with Belushis, like the, the platform of that company was about empowering women um, and creating more opportunities for women performers to really shine and, and, and feel comfortable and feel at, you know, well-managed also and choreograph and the costume and everything. So to push that movement of, you know, the, the, the female empowerment through the nightlife scene was the most extreme challenge possible was because it was the yin yang, not yin yang. It was literally water and, and <laughs> water and fire. Um, but I slowly, but surely was able to figure things out. And the next thing, you know, um, I was brought to Vegas, uh, with Paul Oakenfold, the DJ who, you know, was signing the first residency, um, in Las Vegas for a DJ. Like normally it was, you know, as we know it, like it used to be the Elvis of the world and all, and then it turned into Celine and the big acts like that. But then suddenly the DJ movement started and the dance music movement started um, uh, getting more attention um, in, in the United States. 
um, and especially on the West Coast at that level. And to have this residency with Paul, where the mission was really to create a full-on theatrical concept surrounding his brand Perfecto, that was really the biggest first statement that was done with, you know, bringing on a full-time base a DJ with a concept in a venue that wouldn't change. But I didn't see this as, oh my God, we're going to change the world. Like for me, it was like, oh my God, this is the last gig I'm going to do in a club. Like, I was like, I was like, this is crazy and all. But then when we opened it, it was supposed to be a four month contract and it ended up just never shutting down. It was jam packed every time it would play. And, and it was a huge That's success. Amazing. And next thing you know, Cosmopolitan Hotel, you know, was, was built and they asked me to come on board with them. And I was in charge of opening the venues there with Tau Group and Marquis and then Hakkasan open, which was another mega club at MGM. And they all started popping and, and I became the reference to be that creative producer and director who would take care of all those big residencies with, you know, the Tiesto, Calvin Harris and Steve Aoki and Cascade and you name them. So, um, but I, I'm always going to remember one night with Paul Oakenfold. We, you know, the show was done and I think we were all like, you know, just chilling a little bit afterwards and, Paul came up to me and his managers like, you know, we're going to remember this day because we change, like we change this industry. We created something that is changing the industry. And I remember then going like, what? You know, I was like, no, we're not, you know, come on. He's like, no, he's like, you're going to remember that. And literally, you know, we're, we're now 12 years later. Um, cause that was in 2008. Um, I see exactly what he saw. Like it really was that first seed that was planted at that level with that specific way of producing shows and highlighting those superstar DJs like the artists they are and, and really creating, uh, you know, and putting alive um, their brand through different activation and visual cues and the lighting and, um, you know, amazing gimmicks and most of all performers um, that were really just, you know, performers that would tour with Beyonce were now suddenly with those DJs. So, um, I'm, I'm, again, I just never saw it coming. I would like to say it was a mission. I literally was just working so hard, not recognizing that this was indeed the start of a movement, but yes, what a ride that was. And, and I mean, it allowed me to you know, travel around the world. And I, I, I toured with certain DJs. I, I, you know, opened venues like from in Taiwan and Turkey, like I went around and, um, and it, it became something also on a more commercial side that became very attracting for other type of products and productions. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with Disney, for example, like for one of their Disney on ice production where, Talk about being bipolar here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that must have been a, a complete I know. 180. I went, I went from like? having to entertain like, you know, uh, 25 to like 40 years old party animals to now your demographic is between two years old and seven. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it was the same exercise. And I've always said it when I was you know, doing, and then whenever I, I'm in concept phase for 
DJs or nightclub. For me, it's number one, always about the brand. It's always about how do we, again, put an image to this mission that we have to this artist, to this, this you know, synergy and mission statement. How do we elevate that and make it an explosive experience? And I'm also a big fan of always going back to the basics. Um, there's nothing that's going to excite more people than the primary colors and simple shapes. And because we all, we are all brought back to the first references that we have as kids of learning and seeing. Um, so regardless that you are a little older or not older, mature or <laughs> a little younger, <laughs> Um, the language in a way is the same. And I've always been a fan of simplicity, even though I make things complicated, but I mean, the message needs to be simple. The arc needs to be something that everybody can follow very, very quickly. You need a beginning, you need an end. And the shows that I would create in nightclubs were designed like that. You wouldn't necessarily, you know, it's not that people would, would go from 10 p.m. to like 4 a.m. and say, oh, my God, I, I, there was a storyline and everything. It's not about that. <laughs> but, but for us, right, there right. is. And it's creating this arc again and this crescendo. And why are we presenting something here? And why is there a certain color to use here? And why is there more effects here? And to allow everybody also to have their moment and time so that we stimulate the senses in every possible way. So it, it's, again, you know, we use immersive a lot with the reference of theater, but that itself using different elements to create sensorial experiences um, through music, through visualization, through sensation, stimulation of different senses, um, that that is immersive as well. Um, and to me, that is the definition of immersive. Well, what's amazing about the work that you've done is that I imagine working in all of these different mediums, while, like you said, the artistic language is the same across, I'm sure in the, each, each uh, medium presented its own challenges that allowed you to stretch and grow as an artist as well. And being able to then take that throughout the rest of your career. I know that you also added your musical or I guess creativity to musical acts like Coldplay and Rihanna and Fergie, Beyonce, like all these really big names. And it must have been amazing to have taken your experience and then use it for for these artists and then for for artists to come as well. Well, I think the most interesting when you work with, because to me, it's interesting that we're always going to highlight, you know, for example, like talking about, let's say, Beyonce, like the big name, but really, as a creator, what is the most interesting thing when you is to work with those teams. So it, it's about learning from the teams also and having this luxury of exploring and, and of of, of having a voice, but also to integrate, you know, and to learn about, because if you talk about a Beyonce, a Beyonce is a brand. A Beyonce is, you know, does things a certain way. And I personally have always been extremely fascinated and I get so excited. Like I've worked with 
you know, with brands like, like Ford, for example, Mercedes and Chanel and all that. And I adore when you need to crack entertaining ways and use again, live performance and all the magic of theater to bring to life what that brand is all about. Hmm. Um, yeah. A brand for me is, is full of magic and full of possibilities, but still very set in a container. So it's nice to explore as a creator, but sometimes one of our problem, you know, it's like never ask a, a, a creative mind, how much money do you need? It's like, well, I mean, how much do you want to give me? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like we, the, the idea can go at $10, but it can go at 10 million as well. Um, but what does that really mean? So when you are kind of, res I, I embrace being restricted um, in a way, like I, I adore working with Disney because, and that was to me the most powerful experience as for like Disney is set, like there's, there's literally, you know, a Bible to respect um, between like how do you use the characters and, and how, the interaction between them and then, you know, how can you really like highlight certain stories um, and, and the message of all the stories, how, how, you know, are they supposed to be transposed or not? Um, so it's, it's very, very, it's not for everybody. Also, it's hardcore because you need to explore within something that's so tight that, you know, sometimes it, it becomes kind of a, a kind of playing Tetris here. You know, you're trying to reinvent the wheel, but you can't really. So, but it's such a, a beautiful challenge at the same time, because sometimes you realize that it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's just about planting a seed or exploring something in a different way to like make this accessible to a different type of group or to allow again, going back to immersion, like to allow the same message to come across, but at the same time to make people feel that they are part of the journey and not just sitting and watching it. Um, so concerts are always amazing for that, obviously, because you're allowed to go a little bit more full out um, and, and, you know, singers and artists reinvent themselves through the different concept that they have for their albums. Um, and, and for, you know, whatever message they want to come across with or wherever they're at in their lives. Um, so it's, it's, again, it's challenges, I think, that helps us grow and help me grow a lot. And I was really, it's interesting because those kind of projects also when they fell on my lap, they were like, it was so needed for me to go through this to really learn a lot so I'm grateful for them and it's amazing that I get to participate. But for me, those were the university courses that you want to take. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It's well, even just like what you're saying about exploring within a tight framework where you are expressing your own creativity through your creative direction, but you still have to... I guess, abide by the specific brand that you're working with. And mm -hmm. it, it's just, it's amazing. All of these experiences that you've had, you could tell that you really love producing and, and working as a creative director a lot. I mean, 
If I was the Miami Dolphins doctor, I would have <laughs> really passed on something that makes me happy. I'm not saying I would have liked it, but um, but I, I really think, you know, the beauty with the entertainment, again, is that, and, and doing what I do is that, yes, I get to explore on a professional level, but the growth as a human and on a personal level I mean, it's priceless. It's it's really. I I just think I'm at a good place right now, where again I can, you know, take a step back and understand a little bit more the story of my career and why I, I you know, I had certain experiences that were very very challenging. Um, I still had some that were great as well. I mean, but again, I I always reflect more a little bit on the the difficult path because it's really there that you see if this is brought to me, it's because there's something so wonderful like that is about to be presented to me that I need to, I need to be shaped up properly for it. Um, and I need to open my eyes and recognize that as well. Um, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm such a big fan of, you know, if, if people approach me saying they want to be in that field, like, It's like, don't, don't talk about it. Just do it. Just do it. It doesn't matter at what level. It doesn't matter at what budget. I mean, I'm, if anything, work without budget because that's where, that's where the best idea come along. Um, especially now, there's so many little tricks and, you know, everybody with an iPhone can shoot a movie now. Oh, it's wild. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's, it's all possible. But again, don't let yourself being too distracted and sidetracked by technology either i'm somebody i'm extremely raw i cherish and enjoy technology and how far it's going but at the same time to me there's nothing better than a full spot on an amazing performer <laughs> it's like <laughs> let the performance shine you know <laughs> exactly exactly and like being in touch with our own, own humanity and i think that goes back to what we were saying before is that that we are enough that that mm. really us alone as human beings could really produce creatively in a, an amazing and, and beautiful way and just judging by everything that you, you've said today in our conversation it sounds like creativity is what allows us to better connect to our humanity. Uh, it's like, I, I get chills, like the way you said it. Um, it's, 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 it's absolutely, I mean, again, it's where I'm standing. And I think it's a very important reminder, again, that not everybody, not everybody's in our field, not everybody is creative and that's okay too because those people are bringing us something that we need as well um but it's so important if you are a creative mind to understand that it's your mission to make this happen and to just engage in any possible way even if it is to present an idea to one single human that's going to create the domino effect that is needed to again change an emotional state or change the DNA of a situation and change an entire context. Like it, it, we, we need to stop being afraid. Let's just do it. Yes. Ah, uh, 
So good. So good. Jen, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I really appreciate you not only taking the time to chat with me, but also I really appreciate the work that you're doing a lot. You've been in so many facets of the entertainment world and you've put so much heart into the work that you do that so many people around the world are able to benefit from your heart and from your creativity. And I'm so excited once things start to reopen again to go out there and see some of the work that that you have worked on or that you are working on and to really see your creative creativity shine through the, those performances. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, I can't wait either. I'm ready. I mean, it's funny because last week, you know, every week for the last, I think, couple of months, there's this running gag in my team where I end up working on a new like PowerPoint presentation. And I'm like, how many of those again am I supposed to create before being able to actually do something about them? It's, uh, yeah, it, it's time. I mean, it's a hard time for all of us, obviously, and we're doing the best out of it, but it's, it's, it's a time to get ready because content more than ever is going to be needed, is needed already. Um, so we, you know, I'm, I'm the first one in line here who's, uh, prepping and, and getting ready to attack when the time is right. Yes. Yes. I'm right there with you. And for our listeners out there, where can they find more information about you and your work? Um, I guess the easiest way for now is, uh, my website, jenclary.com. Jen with a G. <laughs> so um, that's really the best way to kind of get an overlook at the different um, type of work that I've done. And there's links also all through that website to uh, my two companies, Delicious and Make Some Noise, the new one as well, um, and to, uh, you know, give a little tip and teaser um, as for w what's coming up next. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure to include those links or the link to your website at the very least in our show notes. So listeners out there, I highly recommend checking out Jen and all of her work. You could just go in the show notes and click that link provided. Jen, I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. How can we as a society better relate to one another? Oh, that's such a good one. Um, how can we all relate? Ah, it's again, it's going back to connection. We need to break. <laughs> I, and again, those are all my personal thoughts and the way that I'm trying to thrive through my own life and through my personal challenges. But I always find that in darkness and in isolation, I mean, there's really just one way to crack those patterns and to crack and to help ourselves to get out of it. And it's to connect and connection can come at so many different levels. It can go through, yes, connecting with a human, but it can be through different medium with music, for example, through art and to express yourself. So anything that's going to crack that robotic shell and pattern that we have, um, just to bring you back to that child, like reconnecting with the child that was so happy, free, jumping in the field, doing cartwheels outside. I mean, that's 
that to me is a solution. That's where we want to be as a society to really just take a breather and just move forward. And, and, you know, most of all, do not look back. Yes. <laughs> Oh, snaps to that. Snaps to that. Oh, absolutely. It's so true. It's, it's yeah, it's so important that we connect at that, that level. Mm -hmm. um, so Jen, thank you so much again. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.